With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hey everybody, it's Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm in Orlando at Exploria Stadium where Atlanta United defeated Orlando City 1-0 to remain unbeaten by the Lions uh, in their short history here in Major League Soccer. Joseph Martinez, of course, scored the winning goal off of a really nice combination with Ezekiel Barco, Martinez has now scored in 12 consecutive league games, extending his uh, league record. He's moved to 22 goals this season. He ch- he's, uh, chases Carlos Vela of LFC, LAFC by four goals. And it was just a uh, it was a weird night. Joining me is a weird guy, Jason Longshore wow. of SoccerDownHere.net. That's the intro, I guess. And 92.9 FM. I meant weird in a loving way. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that, I guess. All right, Jason. The team was tired. They said after the game they were tired all day. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one because yeah. I was feeling it coming back from Portland, too. No, they didn't look great. The difference, Joseph Martinez finished one of his few chances, and Orlando finished none of its. Ten shots from outside the 18. I know you love that one. Yeah. Ten shots from outside <laughs> the 18 from Orlando. It just it felt like, and Mike Conte and I were talking about it afterwards, you remember the the knock on the 60-win Hawks team from a couple of years ago that, that there wasn't someone to take the big shot? If they, they got into that moment, who's going to take the game-winning shot? They always look for another shot. That's what it felt like Orlando did tonight. Sasha Kleschen had one actually at the top of the 18. Um, passed it up, tried to play a through ball. Carlos Esquez, I thought, was played in really well and, and went for a back heel instead of trying to go for a finish. It was really strange, Orlando's play in the final third. They were creating opportunities. Nani created seven. Mm-hmm. They created 17 as a team. Yeah, I mean, which is a huge number. Atlanta created 10. But they ended up with so many bad opportunities. And that's what was so surprising about it. Also, for me, the biggest surprise, and, and I don't know if you've heard anything, why Carlos Esquez was pulled from the match. I thought he was Orlando's most dangerous player. No, I haven't. I didn't talk to them. Um, to talk to Atlanta United, got to talk to Joseph, got to talk to Justin, uh, got to talk to Frank after the game. Frank, not a drop of sweat on him. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what I thought. How do you pull that off? I have no idea. As humid and as warm and... Just as as sweltering as it felt out there. He's a warlock. Uh, Leander uh, Schlackens said, well, he played in guitar on Twitter. 
to explain why he wasn't sweating. That's true. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny, actually. Um, so uh, Atlanta United now has a league-leading 13 shutouts this season, um, which is, again, impressive considering the number of chances Orlando created tonight. And now they will host Minnesota on Tuesday in the U.S. Open Cup, followed by a first-place showdown with Philadelphia next week uh, in uh, Chester, Pennsylvania. And then they get the international break and two weeks off. They need it. Yeah, they, they really do. Uh, Joseph Martinez actually said it would be nice to not have to go play with the national team so that I can get a break. Because he hasn't had one since January. Yeah. During the, the break that the team got earlier this year, Joseph went off with the Venezuelan national team. Luckily didn't play a lot during Copa America, but still just going away, it all adds up. Yeah, and, and he you know, he hit the post with his shot immediately after his goal tonight, uh, got stopped by Rowe in a one on one later. Um, so he he wasn't his best tonight. He admitted he wasn't his best, but he said the difference is we're the champions. And we came through when it counted. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I thought the second half much better from Atlanta. The first half felt way too 50-50. Second half was better, more coherent. I think Jeff Lorenowitz coming in for Eric Rometty helped that a bit. It it limited Pereira, who also, I think, ran out of gas a little bit. When, When Mauricio Pereira gets truly into the mix with Orlando, they'll be a much better team, and they can be a playoff team. How fast that happens is the question. Um, I thought also uh, you have to give Pitti Martinez some credit on the goal. It was Pitti who played the ball to Barco, taking a hit in the process, an advantage was played, and then Barco on that plays it to Joseph. And so many times in that situation you see the ball played to Joseph, he takes off, everybody kind of hangs back. Barco found another gear down the middle of the field, made the run, and then drew the defenders into him when Joseph played it to him and slipped it over to Joseph for the uh, a better chance. It, it, it was, was really a, well done. Yeah, it was a very nice pass by Barco. and It was a good play by Pitti, really one of the few he had tonight. He, something about this stadium or this field or something just does not suit him. He, he didn't play well in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal here. Didn't really play well tonight. He had I think probably at least 10 turnovers. Um, yeah. and a lot of them were creating Orlando counters. Uh, he, that he, was a problem in the first half. Yeah, the first half where it felt like the team was out of sync. Pitti tried some things in dangerous spots and, and that's where you've got to be a little more careful when it, it's not clicking. Just, yeah. just keep it simple and get out of trouble. I thought second half he was better, too. Yeah. Yep. And I thought he, he, he worked hard on the defensive end in the second half as well. He came back and, and made one or two key defensive plays. It, it was a weird match all the way around. It felt like a match that a better team would have punished Atlanta for not having it tonight. Oh, yeah. But Orlando's not that team yet. They're just not. No, uh, I mean, I asked Miriam point blank what was the difference between Atlanta United and Orlando tonight, and he said, when we had our moment, we scored, and Orlando couldn't. It's quality and it's confidence. Yeah, and it, it's the truth. It's, um, you know, I thought that the booing of Miriam was pretty funny. Uh, I give Orlando credit because they did keep it going throughout the whole game. They never they got tired. They did. 
And Miriam, you know, like Gressel, struggled in the first half, like everybody on Atlanta United, frankly, struggled in the first half and then played much, much better, had another huge defensive play uh, deep in the game in the yes. second half. Um, what do you think about the Gressel and Nani moment at the end? That So Nani was tugging Gressel's shirt. Yep. Gressel spun, I, you know, to kind of dislodge Nani's hand. In the process, hit Nani in the face. If MLS decides to fine Gressel or suspend him a game, it would not surprise me. If they consider the circumstances and do nothing, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, we'll just have to see. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how they handle it. I, I I think a suspension would be very difficult unless there's something in the referee report where they they didn't get a good look in terms of a VAR situation. And the referee couldn't see it because it was behind the play. So right. I, I get why it wasn't called initially. There was no advantage called. It was weird that it was brought all the way back and given as a free kick because play had continued for a good while. Right. It wasn't, yeah, Gressel had the ball in the corner. Yeah, it was a really awkward – it was awkwardly handled. I think a yellow was correct. I don't think it's more than that. I think what ended up really affecting Sagafi's thoughts on it was Nani's reaction. And, and it had happened multiple times where Nani went down trying to make a point to the referee and then would get up and argue. He was down – holding his face the whole time the play continued, and when the whistle blew, he sprinted to Sagafi. Right. I think that's going to get it in Sagafi's mind that, hey, this wasn't as bad as right. initially yeah. it appeared to be. Yeah, that's a good point. Just an awkward situation all the way around. You know, you, you got to be smarter than that, and a player like Nani, he, he's going to look for those opportunities to get under your skin. And he got under Julian's skin at the end of a, a difficult night where I thought Gressel really looked like he had played a lot of minutes over this last stretch. Nani might want to focus on putting the ball in the net. There's that, too. And he did create a lot of chances. So, I mean, I thought Nani was was pretty good. Yeah, what's funny is four shots – no, no, I'm sorry. Six shots, none on target. Mm-hmm. Seven chances created. Seven chances created. That, yeah, that's, that's a, a big number. The, you don't the, see that often. The six shots, none on target is just, uh, you know, what is going on. A couple bad ones, too. Kind of a thing, yeah. Um so now Minnesota comes to Mercedes-Benz on Tuesday with a trophy on the line. I didn't think Minnesota looked particularly good last night uh, in its one to nothing loss to Sporting Kansas City. No. I don't think it's looked particularly good its past couple of games. It, it tends to play well, and then it tends to regress a little bit. And it seems like it's kind of regressed a little bit right now. Yeah, I, I will, I'll be curious to see how they come out in this one because maybe part of the regression has been because they've been looking ahead to this. Um, they have had some injuries as well. Uh, Osvaldo Alonso is the biggest question mark. He was listed as questionable going into Thursday night, didn't make the 18. If he's in there, they're a much different team. They're, they're much tougher in the middle of the field. I think if they have Alonzo, they might think about sitting deeper and, and trying to defend and, and take the game scoreless as long as you can. If they don't have him, I think it's going to be harder to pull that off. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'll be curious to see who Atlanta United starts on Tuesday. The guys are, are gassed. I asked Miram, you know, how much energy did you have to spend and could it impact the next two games? And he didn't think it would. He said we got – all of Saturday, all of Sunday, all of Monday, and most of Tuesday uh, to recover, which is something similar to what DeBoer said on Wednesday previewing this game and talking about how he might try to balance things. Um, 
Atlanta United has depth. There's some guys that are going to play, I think, with Atlanta United 2 tomorrow. Carlton, Kratz, Vasquez, Bello. So if they play on Saturday, I don't think you'll see them on Tuesday. I think the odds were slim anyway. If they play much. But, I think if, if a player like Bello plays 30 minutes, maybe. And he would probably be the main one that I would be looking at. Um, well, but they still got... You've got Pereira. options. Yeah. yeah, you got lots of different options. A lot options. more options on the left than you do the right. It feels like a game, and, and we were talking about it afterwards, it feels like a game that because of – you're going to have some heavy legs. You're going to be a little tired, even with maybe a lighter schedule than you'd initially planned the next couple of days. It feels like a game where you might pull a surprise in the lineup for that spark, for that lift. And could it be a Bello? Could it be a Tito? I don't know if he's got that much in him. You know, Who could it be? Pereira? Could be that. He was that in the Campeones Cup. Could he be that again? Maybe. Who's your man of the match? We gave it to Miles Robinson. Um, It was actually a difficult decision. Robinson got it because he had ten clearances. He had three blocked shots. He did the job passing. He was beaten one time on Mm -hmm. the dribble. Mm -hmm. Um, The blocks especially, I I thought he, he really handled things when they broke down in front of him. I thought he was great. I thought Pogba was good. He had a couple shaky moments, as we're yeah, used P- Pogba, to. He was good. From what the the short history Atlanta United has with him, he tends to start games really poorly. Um, His Club, adjustment tonight was good, though. Yeah, Club America, he got beat on that first corner uh, for, by Aguilar uh, against uh, Portland. He got beat on a corner early that oh, should have probably been a goal tonight. He gave away the ball on a bad pass, and then like the very next sequence got beat to the end line. Uh, but then, as he did in the previous games, he tightens up and puts in a really solid performance. Yep. Barco was really good tonight, too, I thought. I thought it was the best we've seen of Barco in a, in a while. I thought, he, again, he struggled like everybody in the first half, but got a lot better in the second half. I thought Tito, uh, they wanted to play Tito 30 minutes tonight, but Darrington, Frank said they might have felt something, so they went ahead and took him out. Yeah. Um, that put Hyman on and kind of made him wait on Tito. Tito had a huge track back and break up of an Orlando attack. Um, that's the kind of thing that when I compared he and Pitti earlier this season, and some folks got mad at me, that's the kind of play that I was talking about, that Tito will make that run back on defense that Pitti just won't do. Yeah, different players, though. I mean, different. Right, they're different players. players, but it's still the same kind of responsibilities. I mean, they're still the same kind of effort. Uh, but anyway, I'm Pitty's just I'm doing just, those things now. So that, that's an example of that play. Yeah, yeah Pitty yeah. Pitty did do those things he did in the those second half a couple times. Tonight, um, so. But I'm just using that as the example of the play I was talking about earlier this year. Uh, anyway. Uh, Jason, what do y'all have upcoming, and where can the people find you? Well, we've got Overreaction Monday at the Soccer Down Here app, SoccerDownHere.net, and on Spreaker. We will not be able to broadcast the Open Cup final, um, thanks to the contractual situation <laughs> with U.S. Soccer and ESPN+. Plus. If you want to watch that, it's only on ESPN+. Plus. Um, there are still tickets available. We will likely be doing something on the radio. How it's actually going to look, we're not 100% sure yet, so stay tuned. We'll be tweeting about it at 929 The Game and Long Shoe and uh, Mike Conti 929. We'll keep you posted, but we'll be in the building for sure. And you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll consider subscribing uh, to the Atlanta Journal Constitution. 
been getting more and more emails uh, with questions about different things from Atlanta United supporters, and I always enjoy reading those and, and answering and having conversations with our readers. Um, Atlanta United defeats Orlando one to nothing to improve to seven zero and two against the Lions. Joseph Martinez with a winning goal, his twelfth consecutive league game with a goal extending his record, his twenty second or twenty third goal this year. Seventy uh, second in his MLS career. Yeah, I, there was a stat that Chris Romani was telling ties, us ties him for twenty sixth yeah, overall. Clint Dempsey, Clint Dempsey, and Juan Pablo. Yeah, Angel. and Juan Pablo. I know. Um, he's seven away from breaking into the top 20. Um, so there you go. All right. I hope, hope you've enjoyed the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast, and we will talk to you Tuesday night. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.